0: The never changed. Me and my we son no Welcome. Welcome to, cheese's cheese's of the to Sportfire, The only sports comedy podcast where the host growls, and it's a human, not Mina Kimes' dog. I'm that host, Adam Weiner, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify falling to 29th overall after a tough combine where we forgot to do any sort of physical activity, and in the fine print of Bill and Melinda Gates' divorce papers under the heading "podcast They Both Hate. But first, let's take a quick trip through the headlines. The NFL Draft was this past week, and there was a rumor Roger Goodell's basement chair was going to be making an appearance on stage, and you know what? I think I saw it. Jacksonville selected Clemson's Trevor Lawrence first overall, and with the number two pick, the Jets selected the well-dressed teenager who stole my girlfriend at Oboe Camp. I'm not saying Zach Wilson looks young, but I saw him celebrating in a suite with Zach and Cody. I'm not saying Zach Wilson has a baby face, but Russell Wilson and Ciara just gave birth to his face. The New England Patriots drafted their quarterback of the future when they selected Jarrett Stidham in the fourth round two years ago. No, just kidding. It's Mac Jones, the 22-year-old Alabama quarterback with the strut of a 47-year-old principal in the movie Sex Academy 2: Coppa Field Trip. The Chicago Bears made waves when they traded up to number 11 to select quarterback Justin Fields, and since that day, they have posted Fields on Instagram 500 times. It's like watching the first girl in your middle school class get a boyfriend. It's like, we get it, we've seen your captions, like Starbucks with this loser, hashtag veterans day. The Bears got to pick 11 because they traded with Giants GM, Dave Gettleman, who traded down for the first time in his career. Said Gettleman in response, my McGriddles was supposed to come with sausage. When the night was over, Goodell and the rest of the league packed up the temporary event space they'd built for Cleveland and left town in the dead of night. Even worse, they moved it all to Baltimore. Of course, the whole day was turned upside down when Packers QB Aaron Rodgers leaked his discontent with the franchise and demanded a trade. Rodgers truly does seem ready to risk it all, or as he calls it, a true daily double. The quarterback has expressed serious interest in leaving the team to host Jeopardy! full-time. In equally likely news, LeVar Burton would like to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers reportedly referred to GM Brian Gutekunst in group text as Jerry Krause, the Bulls executive who chased Michael Jordan into retirement. Now, I watched The Last Dance, so I know exactly what Rodgers needs right now. A weird guy with a gray jerry curl flipping quarters. Of course, this all stems from Gutekunst drafting quarterback Jordan Love in 2020, as well as cutting wide receiver Jake Kumaro one day after Rodgers said he trusted him. See, that's why you can never trust a team that says they're like your family especially if you're Aaron Rodgers and have Aaron Rodgers' family. LeBron James came out against the NBA's play-in tournament this week, angrily saying, whoever came up with that shit needs to be fired. Of course, back in 2020, LeBron himself suggested the idea long before his Lakers team seemed to be on the verge of the seven seed. Even crazier, in 2019, LeBron said, someday I will say whoever came up with the play-in tournament, something we do not have yet, needs to be fired, and Bernie Sanders will win the Nevada caucus. Just throwing that out there. The Houston Astros return to Yankee Stadium for the first time since it was revealed they cheated the Yankees out of a World Series trip in 2017. Said everyone else, oh, that's what the Astros did? Thank you. We like them now. Cheating is is good now. And Medina Spirit won the 2021 Kentucky Derby, giving Bob Baffert his record seventh derby win. That's cute, Bob, but now you got to get down on all fours and prove it on the dirt. Wait, one more headline breaking news. Sorry, this is absolutely crazy. I just have to deal with this mid-podcast. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement. Not a typo. And the news, you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. We used to, back in the day, not be able to dream beyond 3.0. But this is like when Gillette introduced the Mach 5 and it was like, you can cram that many blades in there. The 4.0 is like that, but it's a trimmer and it's entirely different. We're one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. This trimmer has a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel. Gives you the ability to turn on the 4000K LED spotlight on and off whenever you need it for a more precise shave. It even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four folks it's the next generation of Manscaped, the lawnmower 4.0. Join those 2 million men. That's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com. One last time, 20% off, free worldwide shipping, fansided20 at manscaped.com. Coming up shortly, I talk to ESPN's Sarah Spain, mostly about Saturday Night Live. It's a big old nerd out, so please enjoy that. But first, an exclusive interview with the quarterback who puts the grunt in disgruntled Packers star Aaron Rodgers. The trade request that blew up NFL draft today, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers is discontent with the organization finally leaked at the most inopportune time. What led us to this fracture? How did we get here? And more importantly, is there a resolution? So I went straight to the source. I cannot believe he was willing to come on the show. Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. I am so curious what's going on with you right now. First of all, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Hello, what the fuck in What the fuck Uh, You know what the Vancouver can uh you know welcome to WTF and uh you know I think we're gonna have a really good show
0: no 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 Aaron Aaron I'm, I'm sorry this is, do you do you think this is WTF with Mark Maron and and more importantly do you think you're hosting it
1: oh yeah, yeah sorry I think I I'm here I you know I'm I think I can do anything so I'm you know just here to host the podcast you know I'm guest hosting WTF uh you know when Maron dies I think that I'll be a natural fit in I can do this while doing everything that I normally would do and uh, yeah I'm, I'm excited to do this I'm here with uh, Nick DiStefano. Stefano um,
0: no you're, you're not uh, I'm, I'm sorry that I, I know you, you're a multi-talented guy and you think that you you know have it have it all going for you but th- this is my this is my podcast I'm, I'm Adam Weiner. I'm the host of Sportfire I just thought I'd talk to you about you know your situation and all that I mean that's that's great if you're also co-hosting or guest hosting WTF but this is this is a separate thing.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, well, we'll see how it goes. Um, what yeah. was it like to, you know, audition for Lauren? No, uh, once again, I've
0: Lauren, I've never met. I've, I've emailed with his producer, but I, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't have that expertise. Do, do you mind just answering a couple questions? I, I need to know sort of what spurred this trade request where did this come from? Is, you know, a lot of people are talking about the Jordan love pick. Was it,
1: was it that, or was it something else? Like, how did this all build itself up? Okay, look, I understand there's a lot of rumors going around about me at the t- right now. Uh, a lot of people wondering, you know, kind of what's going through my head. Uh, but right now, I'm focused on, uh, you know, just kind of proving to the world that I'm an interesting person. So, uh, you know, I hosted Jeopardy! and now I'm hosting, guest hosting WTF. Uh, next weekend, I'm going to guest host um uh, Gutfield is that the, the and uh, I'm looking forward to just you know kind of just doing the guest hosting rounds and yeah sure I mean obviously there's a lot going on with the Packers it's a shame that all of that leaked I, I really can't imagine who would say anything uh, like any of these reports um, I actually have a bunch of leaks here but that's I'm not going to do them on the show it's not what this oh. is about um, I'm,
0: are you sure that's not what this is about I mean I, I would hear some leaks if you have leaks
1: well, I mean, let's just say that um, the, the next 40 days are going to kind of be like the it's, it's going to kind of be like Aaron Rodgers Lent uh, or like an advent calendar of Aaron Rodgers is a better, better comparison where every day there's kind of going to be a new little morsel about me. But that's not what I'm here to do. Uh, you know, like, sure, like every day you're going to find out something very kind of petty and, uh, you know, duplicitous that I might have said or did behind the scenes. But uh really what I'm here to do is you know just talk about you know how uh, you know how you started at Boston Comedy Club, which was actually in New York at the time, right? Uh,
0: yeah, no, that's I, I I started at like I trained at UCB. Okay, sorry, I don't know, you got me answering your, your questions. I this is not WTF with Mark Maron. I, I understand that maybe at some point today that's what you have to do, but but currently that's not what you're doing. I, I just, the Jeopardy gig. I'm sorry if I'm thrown off at all. You know, you, you took the Jeopardy gig as, as what sort of felt like a lark this off season, but now you're actually maybe asking to be traded according to Adam Schefter and all these insiders. Do you have any idea where you might want to play? Or is this just a request you're just throwing out into the world? Do you have a, do you have a plan B? Do you have a next step
1: in mind? Well, actually that's, that's, I, I will, I will admit that tomorrow's morsel will be um, me going to a Colorado Rockies game with uh, John Elway. Um, you know, and I'm just gonna insist that I'm there to support my mutual friend, our mutual friend uh, Ian Desmond. But yeah, pictures will probably leak of me like exaggeratingly putting on glasses to read a contract. Um, you know, me like sort of like looking out and saying, "Wow, what a nice place to live!" Uh, and I'll, and my mouth will probably be saying it in an exaggerated <laughs> manner that anyone, even people who can't read lips, would uh would be able to pick up on. Uh, And that's just tomorrow's little Rogers, uh, Rogers leak. But really what I'm just here to do is, you know, talk about, you know, to host guest host WTF. Okay.
0: Yeah. You've, you've said that you've said that a lot of times. I, I, I will be happy for you if, and when that day arrives, man, trust me, I'm on your side. I'm excited for all these endeavors, but, but once again, like you've, you've got these leaks all planned out. This is Trust me, this is a place where you can feel free to launch them. I mean, I, I'm i just wondering, I'm thrown right, I'm spinning out over here. Kind of, this is arguably the largest NFL trade request in recent history. How have your teammates reacted? Are they handling it
1: well? Or are they talking it through with you? Have you spoken to any of them? Uh, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, the day after tomorrow's leak is actually going to be a clip. For- uh, from David Bakhtiari's wedding, where um, he clearly turns to me and says, should I do this? And I say, yes, you need someone since I'm not going to be here anymore. Uh, but that's just, uh, and then followed by like an extended speech I give about loyalty and consequences. Uh, but that's, you know, that's just private. That's between me and them. Um, I have no idea how it got directly into the hands of Peter King. But, uh, you know, that's, that's just That's just what's going to happen. I think in two days, exactly. So you're telling me two
0: days from now, a clip that, you know, a video clip that sounds like it's got to be between 40 minutes and 50 minutes in length is going to be embedded in Peter King's MMQB column, or or he's going to release it separately. Is is that what you're saying? It's called football morning in
1: America now, Adam. Oh, Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be like well-produced. And, and, but that's, you know, I don't know who's going to do that. I don't know how that's going to happen. That's nothing to do with me. Uh, you know, I'm just here to do all my little projects and, you know, kind of prove that I'm an interesting person who, you know, dabbles in the occasional conspiracy theory and whatnot. So. Sure. So you have this 40 day plan. Is that
0: the timeline here? C- can we expect a resolution at the end of the 40 day period?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I plan on wearing like the Riddler's question mark suit to the Met Gala, uh, as sort of just like a, what's he going to do next thing? Uh, And then, you know, at the at the Met Met Gala, um, Timothy Chalamet is going to unrobe me and I'm going to probably be, you know, wearing some sort of uh, very, very manicured, very planned ahead suit, uh, you know, with and Pat McAfee is going to be waiting just off camera to immediately interview me about my decision. Um, But that's private. Uh, That that really has nothing to do with anybody's business. That's just kind of what I think is exactly what's going to happen in about 40 days.
0: Yeah, I won't pry any further, but it sounds like you have a very exciting content calendar planned. The one last thing I just, while I have you on the line, GM Brian Gudekunst, the rift is supposedly between the two of you. That, that you know, that's what caused this entire thing to build up. Given this, you know, platform, is there anything you want to say to him before you sign off?
1: Uh, I have nothing to say to him. I've, I really don't. Um, anything I say to him is private it's between two professionals. Um, but I will say in about two weeks, um, I'm going to leak like a, a, a fifth Divergent book. You know, my, 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 my fiancé Shailene was in Divergent. And I'm going to leak a, a, a Divergent fanfic I've been writing um, where the main character, the evil villain, is named uh, Ryan uh, uh And people are going to think that that might have some connections, uh, you know, and Mike Florio is going to talk about it for about 10 days. But uh, really that has, uh, you know, that's, that has nothing, no connection. That's just another one of my little, my little trinket, my little projects.
0: Incredible. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, this was really eye opening for me on many levels. I'm now going to be tuned in to catch all these drops every single day. You.
1: Oh, please don't. They're, 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 they're not really planned. It's just, they're just kind of little accidents.
0: Oh, okay. I won't be watching and I surely won't hear about any of these things. And, uh, by the way, lock the gates. Oh, lock the gates. I meant to do that right away. Oh
1: man. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll get better at this. Thank you. No problem. Thanks so much, Aaron.
0: Aaron Rodgers, everybody stay tuned for those drops. Much like the ones from Q, these are far more accurate than the ones released by a guy named Flynn and up next ESPN, Sarah Spain, joined me for a lengthy conversation on Saturday night live, our favorite pastime. It's a great chat and I hope you love it. Her suggestion of which athlete should host next is spot on. Stick around. Sarah Spain from ESPN, thank you so much for joining me to talk one of your other loves other than sports, comedy. <laughs> we'll touch on we'll touch on sports too. I'm not going to leave that. Not going to leave that out. That would be kind of misguided by me. But I know you're a huge sketch comedy fan. I know you're a huge SNL fan like me. It's been one of the things that sort of stood out about your rise at ESPN. So what are your sketch comedy and SNL origins? How did you originally get hooked on the show?
2: I'm gonna have to assume that that's all the fault of my parents because I have very distinct memories of Saturday nights being allowed to stay up late and we would go sit in their big bed in their bedroom with a big bowl of popcorn and watch Saturday Night Live. And I I very distinctly remember two things. One is probably I was seven-ish, and there was a sketch called The Masturbating Zombies that is no longer in circulation. And I later found out it was a Conan O'Brien special. And I remember distinctly asking my parents what that meant and them having to sort of creatively say it means like sort of like um, like hitting yourself kind of because that was the best way to describe what it looks like the <laughs> zombies were doing in the sketch. And then I just didn't ask any more questions. Um, I also did a class presentation, I believe in sixth grade, that was supposed to be a straightforward presentation, but I decided to do it in the style of the McLaughlin group. And so I asked my classmates answers to the presentation questions that I provided, the, the material I was covering, and then uh, inevitably would say, wrong, <laughs> explain why. Um, so I also did a seventh grade presentation in a valley girl speak, which I think was probably from the gap girls, although that can't be completely traced to that, but Um, Yeah, so I think it was just around a lot. And I do remember that one of the things I used to rent repeatedly over and over from Blockbuster was Eddie Murphy, Best of Saturday Night Live. And so I would also walk around the house saying, hi, I'm Velvet Jones. Do you want to be a hoe? And various other sketches. Um, Yeah. My parents occasionally got in trouble from other parents for just letting me uh, watch a lot of things that perhaps were not age appropriate.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I mean, we. I mean, you are talking to somebody who, first off, my first AIM screen name was Parody King because I just nice. thought like I was just like I love parodies, and everybody was like, "You love parodies?" Like I love comedy. <laughs> and like,
1: well,
0: right. Yeah, that's what I like. Um, and then yeah. like, yeah, I did a Celebrity Jeopardy for like a seventh grade bio project. Uh, Got right. an F. I mean, did did you pass these that's projects? That's unfortunate.
2: No, I yeah. nailed oh, yeah. all of them. Yeah, I mean, I was a hyper overachiever. So despite them being a little off kilter, they were all very, you know, they, they were so full of good information and it was clear <laughs> I'd done the work. I then just presented it in a way, unlike everyone else.
0: Me too. I mean, I had a, yeah, I had a bio teacher who was not loving the humor in any way, but I, yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully this will correct itself someday. Um, people always say that your favorite SNL cast is the one that you grew up with. Is that still true for you or has that evolved?
2: I would say it is. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly standouts from later. Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, Kate McKinnon, Kristen Wiig, um, you know, Bill Hader. There's so many good ones that have been out of late. But I think sometimes when when you go back and look at the sketches that you thought were the greatest, when you're older, you're like, were they that good? Or is there like nostalgia involved? And some of that I think is because at a certain age, things just hit different. And so, especially junior high and early years of high school before I was cool enough to have plans. So I would say mostly like junior high, that group is the one that I like had the inside jokes with my best friend about, you know, every time Alec Baldwin was on and he would do the like fake doctor sketch um, and like random things like that. Um, Toontes was a big one in our house. Um, Yeah. So there's, I, I would say it's still, it's a combination of that cast that was I think you know like Victoria Jackson and Nora Dunn and Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey and that kind of group and then going back to the Eddie Murphy days because I watched that over and over again
0: yeah I still swear by Nora Dunn I feel like she doesn't get mentioned on enough podcasts no, or other no. media these days
2: I still do a lot of just walking on the street and randomly being like clang 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 wants the trolley I just randomly, like, those two singing Sweeney sisters will pop into my head.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is a Nora Dunn and Jan Hook's Appreciation Podcast. I hope that everybody's okay with that because that's just yeah. what it's going to be. Um, do you... Now, I know this is hard, and obviously, something's hit... Like you said, something's hit different at different times. Do you have a favorite non-recurring sketch of all time? And then what about a recurring Ooh. sketch? Because I know those are those are very different. It's also hard to pinpoint.
2: Yeah, I mean that's almost impossible because non-recurring yeah. it's like in the moment I mean one of them that just popped into my head and I'll just say it because as an interviewer I always appreciate when people just go with their gut instead of like needing it to be perfect so I'm not standing by this I'm just saying that this is something that popped into my head that I often of course offer up as one of my favorite sketches of all time and that is the diner Les Mis it is a very recent sketch it is when mm-hmm. John Mullaney returned and apparently it's something that he wrote Years earlier, when he was a full time staff member and writer for the show, and it never got put on. He came back as a host and they were like, All right, let's do this. It is absurd. It is about a man who orders lobster at a diner, which no one should ever do. And then they wheel out keenan Thompson as a lobster, his daughter Clausette. Um, this is also tying into my love of musicals and the fact that I've sung songs from Lay Miz before. So it's all coming together. Just the production value, the singing, the absurdity of the lyrics. Uh, that is definitely one of my all time faves. Now, I mean, it's kind of recurring because then they did the bodig and whatever, but I still sure. I count it kind of as its own thing. The characters are is different every thing. time. Yeah, yeah. I mean I it's not like it recurring it's characters. Time. It's just general theme vibe. Um, recurring would be near impossible. It really would. There's just there's just the classics. I mean, Mr. Robinson's neighborhood, um, James Brown Celebrity Hot Tub. Um, the Jeopardies back in the day with norm mcdonald and and will ferrell and that crew um yeah it's, it's really too hard all the lonely island stuff
1: mm-hmm. like
2: i would say obviously lazy sunday is up there dick in a box for like the one-offs if you count those as as individual i like a lot of the music stuff because your point about parodies like my entire life i've been making musical parodies uh, no one ever really asks for them but um i will continue to do them
0: yeah no nobody wants them i remember like back in the day obviously it's like that was the first thing the first thing i really did that was objectively just like a copy of what i saw on snl was i did like a show when i was like 13 and did like some jimmy fallon modern song parodies about like i don't even know the italian the italian restaurant or whatever but didn't play guitar and had somebody accompany me on guitar and it's yeah nobody really wants them but you do them anyway and everyone's like i'm oh congrats i'm actually
2: I'm very, very proud still of, it wasn't SNL based. It was based on the Jimmy Kimmel, Sarah Silverman, I'm fucking Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. And I did that and it was called I'm fucking Steve Bartman. And it was about <laughs> ending the Cubs curses. And it's awesome. I still stand by it being awesome. In fact, it was going to be in the 30 for 30 about Steve Bartman, but I had just gotten a job with the ESPN and they were like, oh, we just don't know if this is like the brand we want you to arrive with. Um, but it is on YouTube for anyone who wants to watch it. I think we nailed it. My friend looks a lot like Steve Bartman. People thought it was the real one, um, and I find it very entertaining.
0: Unbelievable. Yes, I mean there's a there's an Easter egg for anybody who wants to do a little hunting. It yeah. probably won't take probably yeah. won't take that much. That's pretty, that's pretty a great fun. that's a great lead into the next thing I was going to ask about because I know. Like you obviously have a little sketch comedy experience. You you did some back in the day. And I know you took classes at Second City. Can you tell me a little bit about the path that sort of led you from comedy to sports and, and what it was like to what eventually, you know, made you transition?
2: Yeah. So I grew up and I was just super active in everything. I played field hockey, basketball, and track. I was in band and chorus. I was in as many school plays in junior high as possible. And then I got to high school and they were all at the same time. Right, So I could do band and chorus during school, ended up being all state in clarinet and band and and chorus. And then I could do sports after school and sports on the weekends and sports all summer for AAU and junior Olympics and nationals and everything. So it kind of became this thing where I had to move away from anything in the theater department. So the only thing I could really do in high school was talent show, which I did, I think freshman year and senior year, freshman year and junior year. sang Donna Summer's last dance uh, in a sparkly dress and heels with my friends dancing and flipping each other behind me. It was really fun. But um, Mm -hmm. so by the time I got to college, I still had this itch and I'd always wanted to perform. And um, unfortunately I had to get surgery on my vocal cords. So my singing wasn't going to be a professional thing. Um, I can still sing. I have a really limited register because of the nodes on my vocal cords, but that's why I sound kind of uh, very low, which is good for the radio. But um, the raspy, the raspy vibe was not natural. Um, but uh, yeah, so at Cornell, I took a handful of classes in the theater extension, like you know, in the department without being able to actually do any performances there because track is indoor and outdoor season and you start training in the fall. So it's like year round. Um, so I, but I still had this idea all along of wanting to be a performer, wanting to be on Saturday Night Live. So I thought as soon as I graduated, I would move to LA and I would dedicate myself wholly to actually trying to do it and catch up with all the people who had been doing it in school. You know, I kind of knew that was my last chance to do sports. Um, I wasn't going to go do the Olympics. so I was like, I've got four more years to do it in college. And then I can transfer over to trying to do acting and comedy full time. Moved to LA, did Second City, did the full conservatory there, did a bunch of classes, took a class in TV hosting. It was like a boot camp over a long weekend. And I hosted a fake Chicago bear show just to practice throwing to break and welcoming people in. And the teacher was like, Oh, sports, you want to do sports? I was like, ah, no, I was just picking a random topic because you said something you're an expert in and I, everyone else was like HGTV and home design. And like they were in there trying to learn how to be like the next, you know, Ty Pennington or whatever that's a very dated reference. But, um, <laughs> and so, uh, and then I was like, no, oh, there's no women in sports. Like there's only a couple and the ones that are, they don't like get to be funny. And she said, Oh, it just seemed really comfortable. And so I was like, huh took a class at UCLA extension and TV sports reporting, realized it was like a mix of my English major and my writing. The extemporaneous nature of the interviews was kind of like improv. It took, you know, this love of sports, mash it all together, and that was that. And then I, you know, got a job at um, FS1, Well, then Fox Sportsnet, um, that was my first sports gig and just felt really comfortable. And, you know, there's a lot of times that I still miss and wish that maybe like what would have happened if I'd stayed trying to do straight, you know, comedy and stuff. But I get moments to scratch that itch, and obviously, it's uh, it's worked out well in the sports world. And I like what I do. So,
0: yeah, I yeah, no no complaints, I I would say. But obviously, yeah, that that itch. You you mentioned that it's it's funny that nobody in that class was really that into sports, and and when you pivoted, they were like, why are you doing this, you know, Bears thing <laughs> instead of HGTV? Um, it is hard to blend comedy and sports. Like it, it's sometimes difficult. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. it works better on a local level than it does nationally. Why do you think it's so hard? Why do you think it's so hard to make sort of this mainstream sports comedy content? And is it going to be like a local thing versus a national thing?
2: Yeah, the local reason is because you need a base set of knowledge for comedy to work. And Mm. the problem with sports comedy is that there's only so small a percentage of people that are informed enough to get all the jokes. Right. And that's why a lot of us like love Twitter, because inherently we're just following people who move in the same spaces and get all the same jokes and make the funny references. And the vast majority of people could be on a thread about a game and be like, why is that funny? I don't get that. Right. And Mm -hmm. so when you do something like the sports version of the daily show, which is something I used to always think of doing, you have a limited audience that's going to get it. And then you also have the fact that like, unlike the news where you have certain laws that allow for like equal rights of airing and, and sharing that doesn't work in sports. You have to pay for those rights. So as soon as you start insulting leagues or teams, guess what? You no longer have highlights to run or clips and no one will come on the show, right? It's a very insular world compared to something like with the regular daily show. Look at like when they try to do stuff like sports soup or a variety of different shows that are kind of sports sketch. They just, it, it, it relies so heavily on people knowing enough to get all the jokes. And a lot of people are not that way, especially nationally. So locally, you could do it a lot better because everyone's going to know the same things about the Bears and the Bulls and the Cubs and the White Sox. But they're not going to know that about all the other teams and players just because we do, because we do that for a job. And we have to know all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's hard, because it is something that I would love to be able to mash. But like you look across the landscape and it's really tough to do. A hundred
0: percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. And we're all still fighting it. And, and hopefully someday, you know, something comes out on top. I'll, I'll leave you with just a couple quick hitters um, that I, that I wanted to get out. Um, what is your most satisfying experience meeting an SNL cast member? Have you met one?
2: I have, I've met, um, I'm trying to think of how many. Um, the most satisfying Um, is definitely Schmeigel because he came to Chicago to do an interview for like, uh, what was awesome is here in Chicago, there was actually a run of the FNL Museum and Mm. it was here for like almost a year, maybe a little longer. And so it had a bunch of like awesome stuff, like costumes and information and and videos about like how they run the week and what the order of prep is and all that stuff. And um, so we went to an interview with him there and someone I knew was kind of doing the PR and running it so afterwards there was a VIP kind of reception upstairs and we ended up talking to him for about two and a half hours and he was so kind and laid back and he had the best stories and um, ended up coming on my podcast invited me and my husband to come to this event that ended up getting canceled because of COVID and hopefully we'll eventually be back so we can go and hang out with him Um, but just like super genuine and responsible for so many like you go back and look at the stuff that Schmeigel worked on and like it's just so much stuff um beyond you know triumph the insult comic dog and all the other stuff that Schmeigel's done I keep calling him Schmeigel I think it's actually just Schmeigel but in my head I always think of Schmeigel um but like especially here in Chicago like doing all dub bears and you know mm-hmm. back in the 90s they were like at the Bulls celebrations in grant park on stage with them, like cracking jokes about whether they were going to you know, pay Jordan enough money to stick around and all this stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've met a handful of them, but that one I think stands out.
0: Yeah. Isn't he in last dance, like out of nowhere?
2: Yeah. 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 I believe he was
0: so cool. Um, is there a genuinely funny professional athlete who you would love to see host SNL who maybe hasn't hosted yet?
2: Uh, Blake Griffin hasn't, right?
0: Great, great poll. Yes, Griffin no, he is has not.
2: Hilarious. If you have not seen the episode of Broad City with Blake Griffin, just drop everything you're doing and find it right now. The literal sexual gymnastics that he does in the <laughs> show, combined with his comedic timing and everything. I mean, it, there, it, he absolutely could have a career in it and isn't just a funny athlete, but just a flat out funny person
0: that's a phenomenal poll and probably the objectively correct answer. And he's also down the street now. Like he's right here.
2: Yeah. They need to get on that. He would be fantastic.
0: That's so, that's so correct. It like hurts how correct that is. And (laughs) the, the final question, uh, have you ever in your experience? And as someone who makes jokes, I'm sure that there is an answer. Have you ever cracked a joke to an athlete who just did not take it well?
2: Um, I'm sure like all the time trying to think of athletes. I mean, other people. So um, interviewed Nelly on the red carpet at the Super Bowl in Dallas, that was icy and frozen. And I said, it's not very hot in here. He was like her, but he wasn't like laughing. And I was like, yep. And then uh, I was on a red carpet once early on uh, at a Kanye performance where it was for a charity. So he did like red carpet interviews and he blew by me because I wasn't important. And I just asked him if he liked fish sticks. Um, which is from a South Park episode, yep. which he didn't seem to like. Um, gosh, I told, I think I told Kyrie Irving his nickname should be KY because he's smooth. <laughs> like like KY Jelly. I don't mm-hmm. think she likes that one. Um, I'll have to think about it. But uh, yeah, no, I'm sure plenty of time. Oh, you know, when I was in the Cubs Clubhouse do, uh, doing stuff for a startup website here, that was right after a second city. So part of the job was just bringing in stuff and trying to get players to play around. And there were some people that were great. Like Ryan Dempster was always good at playing around. And yes. I did a whole sketch with the Cubs about after Zambrano destroyed the Gatorade cooler with his bat, when he was mm-hmm. angry, I did a sketch about the Gatorade cooler going on the IR and what were they <laughs> going to do for their hydration needs? And like, why was that guy always in the wrong place at the wrong time? And like, what's the estimated return? I said, everyone's really funny. And for whatever reason, like every time I did one of those, I would try to get Reed Johnson in on it and Reed Johnson just had no time for me. Just wasn't into it. So Reed, thanks for nothing.
0: Somehow I knew I needed that answer to include both Reed Johnson and Nellie for the first time <laughs> right. together yeah. ever.
2: Good luck getting another answer with those two guys.
0: <laughs> I will not pursue it. Sarah Spain, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Super fun time. And uh, yeah, thank- thanks a million for doing this.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Sarah Spade, everybody. That was awesome. This is a Nor Dunn appreciation cast from here on out. And now, my final flame. Wherefore art thou, LeBron James? Would a play-in tournament by any other name smell as sweet? King James this week shared his displeasure with the NBA's current postseason proposal, in fact, advocating for the employee responsible for its creation to be fired. Asking for an employee who succeeded elsewhere to suddenly lose their job? Why, if that happens, it won't be long before LeBron signs the employee to his team. Big three, indeed. How much help can one king need? A queen, sure. A court jester, that goes without saying. An entire parliament, traditionally, yes. Nevertheless, this king has now fallen one seed too far. After all, his Lakers will be in a dogfight for the remainder of the season to avoid playing in the play-in tournament, an idea which LeBron himself endorsed before it seemed like he might end up there himself. Perhaps LeBron has his energy focused on the wrong idea. The play-in tournament isn't the problem. Maybe LeBron should have had the genius idea to have stronger ankles. That might have helped. If LeBron had invented some sort of titanium ankle in mid-January, perhaps an indestructible robotic ankle, if someone had come up with that idea, LeBron would surely be singing a different tune right now. Or rather, his ankle would be. In this scenario, the ankle has the technology to sing tunes, which would come preloaded when you install it. All in all, this is just the latest bit of hypocrisy from the athlete that always wants to own the narrative. Well, tough luck, LeBron, because I bought the narrative this time as an NFT. It's a digital file that says the play-in is fair and just, and you can have it, unless you pay the price it costs, which, which would actually really help me. I, I don't really want it. I just bought it so I could taunt you right now. Do, do you want it? If so, just let me know. It's very available. This May, LeBron, we'll see you wherever the chips fall. After they fall where they may. May is spring, not fall, but they'll be falling in spring. Spring loaded like your magic metal ankle. My thanks to Dennis Flynn and Sarah Spain. See you next Thursday.
2: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.